What's going on, everybody? I'm Peter Toring. And I'm Chris Van Bell. And we are talking today about pricing your home and pricing it intelligently. Oh, geez. This is a fun one, Peter. So the uh, one of the big things is we ask, how do you get a price? You know, How does that come about when we're, when we're listing a home? Uh, and, and what we look at is we take properties within maybe a mile. We try and stay in a similar neighborhood. And we really look at those properties that have sold and look at some of their attributes. Yeah, you know, different different realtors are going to have different criteria, but our, our best thing that we try to do is try to get an adequate picture of what the market's telling us. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I absolutely love to put a very tight square footage range. I, I need to use school districts. Um, and then depending if it's like a well-defined sub or if there's just a lot of houses around, we'll determine whether I just do a mile out or I, I actually just draw a square about, around a pretty you know, known subdivision. Yeah, we'd like to use properties that are maybe they're constructed similar years, they're similar structure styles, so we're comparing ranches to ranches. So we want to make sure that we have an apples to apples comparison. So now Chris, what about if you, you're looking through the sub and no, you know, there's nothing that's exactly alike. You know, nothing has that exact same kitchen, nothing has those same bathrooms. How do you go about changing it from there? And that's a tough one because you, you get a couple of these um these like custom subs, you know, where mm-hmm. where nothing is similar. You might have a mix of old and new, or like they're rebuilding a little bit. Um, a lot of times, I, I may try to go farther back in time. Usually, we like to do what six months. Mm-hmm. Six months. Might go back it, a year. It, it's a great measuring stick. Sometimes I'll go back a year, or sometimes they may have to expand my my area. Mm-hmm. But I mean, m- my big thing is I always try to keep the same school district. I've got burned on that a couple times with an appraiser. Yeah. Makes sense. So the appraisers are going to be very uh, tight on on what they look for. Uh, so we want to we want to look within what an appraiser is going to view. So Chris, what about if you you've got a property? Maybe it's the same square footage. Uh, maybe it's the same style of house. Maybe it's built similarly. But obviously people do you know renovations, remodeling in their house. How do you adjust for that? How do you adjust? You know if you say well you know you're you're listing my home, uh, and this other one is listed at X price, but I've got brand new hardwood floors i've got a great kitchen i've got you know finished basement how do you how do you adjust for that <laughs> roll the dice right uh, no you 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 just have to take an objective look mm-hmm. um being this is what we do we know what we see we know what to expect my biggest thing again i can't stress enough is keeping it up with the market we don't want to go too high too low um, yeah, having a, a competitive price. And part of that, I want to expound on that. When Chris says looking at this objectively, it means looking at your property the way that someone who isn't attached to it. I know that we've talked about this before, uh, but making sure you, you're looking through buyer's eyes. Is your home really updated? How, you know? how many do we really get? Well, you know, I, I, I love my home. I've got memories in my home. Mm-hmm. Um, but it but, doesn't beat your medium oak cabinets and your Formica countertops. You get the people that... that <laughs> Like you're saying, the oak cabinets for mica, linoleum, trash carpet that needs to be replaced right. or restretched. And, but but it's better than the house that sold down the street for X Y Z. Right. And so that's what we need to do is take an objective look, and then we'll adjust. You know, and and people sometimes ask me, do you have any hard and fast numbers for what's a, a new kitchen worth? And I the answer really is no. There isn't a hard and fast. Well, you have a new kitchen, so you get X amount of dollars. Um, I mean, these things can change depending on where your house is, what the price point is. How good of an upgrade did you do? Uh, you know, are we talking about custom Lafada cabinets and, oh, and you know, quartz you know, countertops? Or are we talking about Ikea cabinets? There's a lot that goes into a renovation and a lot that goes into what kind of area is this in? Have you overbuilt for the area? Yeah, what, what, what's your objective in selling, too? 
I've mm-hmm. always got the people, you know, I want to put my house in the market, but, you know, I was thinking of redoing the kitchen, redoing the bathrooms, putting new carpet, putting new this, finishing the basement. It's like, whoa, what's your objective? How soon do you have to move? Mm-hmm. Where are you moving? Uh, there, there's just a lot. We, we need to know. Yeah. And, and sometimes, honestly, you're not going to put 30 grand into a kitchen and get 30 grand out. No, you're never going to. So, okay, this is, let's dispel this myth right now. All right. Yes, can you remodel your house and get more money than you put in out of it? Yes, you absolutely can. Now, these situations are, are, we want to be very careful with this. I always remind people that, you know, this is not uh, an HGTV. Uh, Kitchen renovations, even if you can get money out of it, uh, there's a lot that goes into that. Are you willing to live through a renovation? Are you willing to extend your timeline six to eight weeks? You know, so there's a lot that goes in. Before we recommend any renovation, I think that Chris will agree with me at this. I tend to recommend smaller, um, easier renovations. Well, and it really depends, too. If it's something that's, um, it'll spruce up the property enough to get it get it to sell maybe a little quicker. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, like, say, carpet, you're better off giving an allowance. But, you know, if you have something that's a deferred maintenance item, you know, maybe you might want to focus on that. Right. And this, is, this, this goes into uh, uh, a little bit of pricing as well. And we want to factor all this into price. Carpet, I think that carpet is great, especially in small areas. If you've got worn carpet and you, you just can't replace it, you can get cheap. We've got a flooring guy that does, he calls it flip or rent carpet. And it's not the most high-end carpet in the world, but it looks great and it's pretty cheap. Sometimes just adding in some of these new, you know, low-cost repairs is, is easy. Sometimes it is just paint and, re, you know, refreshing light fixtures and things like that. Uh, we tend to see, I think I see a better return on those items, spending that $100 here or there, than maybe you do on a big $30,000 kitchen renovation. Well, and think about the buyer's eyes, too. Mm-hmm. We always have to look through their eyes and what they're going to see and their perception. They might see bad carpet, but then they're going to look at you and say, oh, you know what, that's $10,000 off the price. Right. And I think it's it's more important to make sure that your house is clean, well-maintained, odor-free. I think those are things are more important in pricing than necessarily doing Get renovations. Get rid of those cobwebs. Make sure you know you clean the mirrors. Simple, simple stuff. Mm-hmm. Nothing. You, you know that a buyer's going to come through. They're going to lift up toilet seats. They're going to open shower curtains. They're going to they're going to open cabinets. Mm-hmm. Just make sure that you know it's a complete package. Yeah. Nice and clean. Keep it that way for a couple couple weeks until it's sold. And so now, once you've gone through some of those items, hey, should we renovate to get a higher price? Should we do this to get a higher price? And I also sometimes will tell people, sometimes you got to spend some money, even if it's not going to get you dollars back, it's going to get you more buyers. So like Chris mentioned, you know, maybe it's a carpet allowance, maybe it's, um, you know, making sure some of these things are nice and clean. It might not bring you more dollars, but it is going to bring you more buyers through the door. And I think that's worthwhile. Uh, And once you've, so now Chris, once you've established a, 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 you know, a baseline of comparable properties, What's the last thing you look at? I know for me it's the timeline of, of, of the seller. That, that's huge. Well, what's their objective and what's their timeline? Mm-hmm. If I'm dealing with an estate, most money, least amount of time, quickest turnaround, they want to settle and get it done. Right. If I have somebody that's just maybe undecided about you know, where they want to move, they know they want to move, but they don't know exactly where or when, they're going to want to go a little bit higher. But if we go too high in the market... We're not going to get showings, we're not going to get visibility, and we're going to get stale. Yeah, it's that little bit above. It's that we're talking about one of the agents in our office, the, the, the wonderful Don Alcorn, talks about the lightning strike, where you know if you don't have that uh, that motivation to move right away, like Chris said, maybe you're still looking for a house, uh, you can price it a little high, not a lot. No, 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 not a lot. But a little, 
to try and get that perfect buyer that just falls in love with your house and is willing to pay a little bit more for it. Absolutely. That's again, it's 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 a fine dance. We keep saying market, 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 but that is what we are trying to do. We're trying to stay at or just above board in market. We want to get the most people in your house. We want people to take a look. We want them to be interested. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the main thing is we want good, solid offers coming in. Right. And we have a general kind of view of this. Like you said, once you've decided a price, once you've listed and you're on the market, um, the, the big thing becomes you got to stay in tune with the market. Like Chris said, you want people coming through the door. You want showings. You want offers. These things are really you know, indicative of, of where your price is. If you've priced too high, you know maybe you don't have a lot of comparables in the neighborhood, and you've kind of taken a bit of a guess. If your price is too high, you're not going to get those showings. You're not going to get those offers coming in. Well, and, and sometimes we might price, say, that little high that we're talking about, mm-hmm. maybe a, a few thousand over market. But then you get three or four closings, and you find out that, well, guess what? Now you're eight thousand over. You're ten thousand over. Right. Your sh- your showings are going to just shut right down. And this is where it's again, it's important to have an agent that does not just throw a sign in your yard and hey, good luck. We're putting you in the MLS. Bye bye. You got to have an agent that is looking for, like Chris said, are there new closed sales in the neighborhood? You know, what are our what are our, uh, our our online views like? What are our showings like? What are what's our agent feedback? I know that's a big one for you. You know, that's. I'm sure we could do a whole other podcast on just agent feedback mm-hmm. it it's a lot of good information and i always want to help anybody selling because mm-hmm. if i see something somebody else is going to see it mm-hmm. and that's information to take back to your seller yeah and it's establishing a trend with yeah, that seller absolutely and then you know we've got we've got too many agents that are quote unquote too busy that don't ever submit you know any kind of feedback to us and it's just it's a bummer we have to call them we have to email them yeah we have to try to find out what their thoughts and their buyer's thoughts on the house was. yeah and the reason it's so important is you know when we've got a a trend coming from agent feedback and buyer feedback that can help us establish a a market baseline if we've got agents consistently saying this is you know price too high for the neighborhood this is price too high for the neighborhood we know that we're going to adjust to that so we want to be i sit down with my sellers between every seven and ten days and we we go through and we look and we say all right who said what? You know, and we we actually give them a breakdown. Okay, 85% of the agents came through and thought you were too high. It's time to to change price here. Yeah, and, and it's tough when you have to do that too because then um, buyers are like, oh, they're motivated. We can go even less. Right. Uh, so now let's talk about that. Let's talk about the other end of the scale. Let's talk about uh, Chris. Do you ever recommend that your clients um, price too low to start a bidding war? That's one of those things because, again, we're talking about the seller's impression of what's too low. And, and of course, we know generally what's too low. But when you do that, you have the opportunity that you're going to sell for that price. Mm-hmm. That is the big we, – we get this question all the time. What about a bidding war? Here's the problem is, is a bidding war, we can have, if we list, say, you know, we should list at 175 and we list at 170, we might have 10 buyers who come in at 170 and maybe that's their max. You know, we're not getting that maybe $180,000 buyer that's going to get us at 175. So there's some rewards to well, it, to that. Look at the one in Harrison Township I had. It, it was an estate style property. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did not intentionally price it where I thought was low. Mm-hmm. And what did we have, like 30 offers in in two days mm-hmm. but that that market over there needed it it was a solid home and and people just wanted to have it and we see we've also had it backfire we've had clients where they said we want to create a bidding war we've priced low and maybe they sell over list but they don't 
you know, go, it's just like taking anything to auction. They don't quite come up to where they wanted to be. So I think that there are some real risks as, as, as long as some, you know, some rewards with, with creating a bidding war. You really property. can't be an intelligent first out of the box marketing price mm -hmm. where, where you're going to get the showings, you're going to get the interest, you're going to have that, that buzz. We'll cut, we couple it with, with the Facebook marketing too. I mean, that's been helping a lot. Yeah, we call it, and Chris calls it intelligent pricing. I just call it competitive pricing. So it's it's taking a smart look at your price, but it's also taking a competitive look. Where do I sit in? And this is where we bring in the active listings that we have in the market. So we look at, to establish a price, we look at the closed sales. Now to create a competitive price, we look at what's active in the neighborhood. Talk a little bit about well, that. Well, you got to figure that's your direct competition. Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes we can even take our sellers out and, and show them, and then have them write down comparisons what they think, you know, how that home compares to theirs. Mm -hmm. But if you see one that's ten, ten to twenty thousand more than the one you're we're listing, and it's on the market for 175 days. That, that helps get the wheels turning because you can physically see what's going on there. Right, and you can say, hey, listen, we don't want to be sitting on the market for 175 days. One of the great things I like about, about the competition is I'm not necessarily constrained so much by an appraiser's view. You know, when I'm looking at the competition, I might also look, uh, you know, in a different school district. I might look where a buyer is willing to look. You know, a, a buyer isn't just going to look within one mile of that property. They might look three miles down the road. And we're going to take that into account. What are they seeing, not just in the neighborhood, what are they seeing two miles down the road that they might offer on instead? And how are we going to position you within that? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Because sometimes we might have to change that search up and not look at, you know, say a city or township. Maybe that whole school district, because mm -hmm. that's a school district people want. Right. Maybe within a certain uh, mileage of, of something in the community or a place that people would work. Yeah. We use our CVX and we can find out generally who's coming in, where they're coming, and why they're going to want to buy that house. Right. And one of the things Chris mentioned there was uh, our average commute time here in Macomb County is 27 minutes. And we can take those large employers and we can say, all right, you know, if, is our house within X amount of minutes from a couple of these employers? Let's look at other similar homes that are within that, you know, 30-minute uh, thing that they might be looking at. Absolutely. And, of course, we're fortunate with, with the military personnel we're allowed to help, too. Mm -hmm. um, that's awesome. But, yeah. I, I think this, the, really the, the key point out of this is price competitively. You don't want to be sitting on the market too long. But there's also some real risks in, in, in creating a bidding war. Uh, so have you you know talk to one of us, make sure that we're pricing it correctly uh, to sell and to sell quickly for the most amount of money. That is our main goal. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening, guys. We will uh, see you next time. Take care.